Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jared Bumpers, Assistant Professor of Preaching and Evangelism at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I'm honored to have Dr. Scott Pace in the studio to talk about expositional leadership. Dr. Pace serves as a provost at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. He also serves as the Associate Professor of Preaching and Pastoral Ministry there. He's written numerous books, including uh, Preaching by the Book and Pastoral Theology. He's got decades of ministry experience, and so I'm excited to welcome him into the studio. Dr. Pace, thank you for joining us. Man, I couldn't be more thrilled to be uh, a part of it today. So really looking forward to the conversation. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on and talk about your new book, Expositional Leadership. It came out recently. But before we jump into the book, I'd love for you just to give our listeners kind of an update on on your life and ministry. I know you've been on the podcast before uh, with Dr. Allen, but would love for you to give us an update. Yeah, things are just kind of rolling along. You mentioned uh, the different hats and titles I wear here, but uh, one of the, my greatest joys is the opportunity to still serve churches. I just actually wrapped up an interim about an hour away here from campus and serving that church during a time of transition, uh, getting a chance to preach and shepherd and invest in them. And so uh, that's been going on on the, the ministry side of thing outside the academic world. And then our family is, uh, man, life is full and fun. We've got four children and uh, one in college, one a senior in high school and two uh, in middle school this year. So uh, yeah, I mean, life is, is full and fun in, in a lot of different ways. That's awesome. I, I love the the family dynamic as well. I've got four kiddos, and so you're, <laughs> you're a little bit ahead of me there. My kids are getting two of my two oldest are, are nearing middle school. One of them's a year away. One of them's two years away, and then have a couple still in uh, in elementary school. But yeah, it's a busy time, but exciting time. And then in Midwestern, you know, we talk about, you know, being for the church. And um, I, mm-hmm. I know that, that Southeastern Seminary has a similar focus on, you know, training yeah. missionaries and pastors. And one of the benefits of being at the seminary is that I get to teach and I serve mm-hmm. full time as a faculty member here, but also get to serve in the local church and preach regularly. And so I serve as a pastor here in the area and getting ready to preach Genesis 15 this coming Sunday, and I'm fired up about it. So I'm blessed and know you feel the same way, blessed to be able to serve in the local church and in the academy. I, I don't think uh, the, the academy would be able to satisfy um, you know the desires of my heart if I didn't have the opportunity to preach while being a part of it. And I don't think I would be able to serve the academy near as well if, if I wasn't. So I feel the same. Yeah, you're speaking my love language. I've said similar <laughs> things on both of those things. So, yeah, I love yeah. to hear it. And I, I think you're, you know, because of those two things. I think you're the perfect person to have on this podcast and to talk about what we're getting ready to talk about, which mm. is expositional leadership. And so do you mind, I'm, I'm assuming the book came out, many of our readers have not picked up a copy yet. I'm hopeful they will after hearing this uh, podcast, but do you mind defining expositional leadership for the preachers or aspiring preachers who are listening? So we define it in the book. It just came out in January with Crossway. We're excited about our partnership with them. But expositional leadership really is the pastoral process of shepherding God's people through the faithful exposition of his word to conform them to the likeness of his son through the power of his spirit. Hmm. I know that's a mouthful, but just to kind of parse it a little bit and highlight a few things, the terms like the pastoral process, pastoral, the pastoral element is critical to understanding, obviously, expositional leadership. The process being that it's an ongoing investment, that it's not something that's accomplished through just itinerant preaching or sermons that are standalone and, and kind of I'll say contextually unaware or uninformed as it relates to the people 
that we're preaching to, uh, but it also is something that uh, maintains the commitment to exposition uh, without violating or misusing the text, but allowing it to accomplish uh, its intended purpose while also bringing them to the spiritual growth and development, not just as individuals, but collectively as the church hmm. to be in conformity to the likeness of Christ. So there's a lot there, but that's that's the definition, the working definition, it, it, uh, at least that they were going off of in the book. Yeah, and I think for me personally, I mean, I'm excited to see this book book come out. When I saw before it was even released, I saw the title, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, there two things. One on on the writing side and the academic side, there's not a lot written about the relationship between leadership and preaching. And so I think right. I think you guys are hitting an area that needs to be addressed. That was my first thought. And the second yeah. thought was, man, practically speaking, so so there's an academic component to it, but then pastorally, I think a lot of guys maybe have been preaching for a while, but maybe they have not put together the 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 relationship between leadership and preaching. But one of the best ways to lead your congregation is through preaching. And you're making that argument in this book. And you say, and I'd love to hear you kind of tease this out a little bit, but yeah. you, you talk about the interconnectedness of pastoring, mm. preaching, and leading. And those things are yeah. often dichotomized or viewed independently or separately. And, and certainly yeah. their distinctions are not identical. We're not sure. Saying you're not saying they're synonyms, but, but yeah. they are connected. So I'd love to hear you talk about the relationship between those three things. Yeah, you're right. They're individually defined, and yet they're interrelated. And so when you look at those, particularly in the, in the role of a, a pastor, uh, right, there is some inherent leadership that's part of our responsibility. And that has to do with things like congregational direction, vision, guidance, uh, the overall leading of the church. Uh, then there's the shepherding, right? There's the, the feeding, the individual care for the flock. If you kind of think and focus on the shepherding element of, of care, uh, and then obviously the preaching, which is the, the feeding, the nursing, and those three, three uh, working together actually complement one another in such a way that it can really, where our hope and desire is where it can really make uh, pastors and help us be more efficient. What we have found in our own experience and, in, and obviously years of talking with and, and helping serve uh, countless pastors, a lot of times we, we look at it like it's a balance problem. How can I balance these three of leading, shepherding, and preaching? And in reality, it's more of a blending problem. How do they each benefit from the other? And in particular, how is the central role of the pulpit uh, accomplish all three to make the three uh, the three areas of your um, responsibilities kind of benefit or um, you know grow from that? So really, the, the pulpit is central in it, but it really does pull all three of them together to blend them rather than simply trying to balance them as though, like you said, they're completely independent of one another. Yeah. One of my favorite passages on ministry, I love the book of First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians mm-hmm. 2, where Paul talks about his ministry and, you know, not, not, you know, he says we've been approved by God, you know, so we speak not to please men, but to please God. I mean, he talks about being gentle like a nursing mother, you know, we exhort right. you like a father. But one of my other favorite passages, when we get into the tasks of pastoral ministry, and your book reminds me of this text, is First Thessalonians 5, in verse 12, mm. where Paul says, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. There's a pastoring part, shepherding, you know, yeah. the pastor, the shepherd is among the sheep, so they labor among you. But then he says, they're over you in the Lord. So so there you have the mm. leading component, leadership, you know, yeah. leadership. 
And then he says, they admonish you. And so you have the teaching, mm. exhortation, the preaching component. And so all three of those things are interconnected and part of yeah. the role of the pastor. As Paul tells the church in Thessalonica, do these things. And so, man, for mm. those who are interested in, in that Pauline mandate, this book does such a good job of weaving all three of those things that Paul's talking about together. It's a, it's a great uh, summary verse that really does encapsulate the elements and the responsibilities we have as pastors. So, uh, man, I echo that. Yeah, so in, in your book, you have several chapters on different ways that the pastor mm-hmm. should lead. And so would love to hear you talk about a few of those things. And, and one of these is not going to come as a surprise to our, our, <laughs> our listeners, but you talk about scriptural leadership. And so you're making an argument for biblical preaching, expositional preaching. But I, I do want them to hear your voice as you talk about yeah. why they should preach the Bible. Yeah, you know, um, really, we don't have uh, an option, you know, when it comes to the charge as pastors, uh, whether it's to preach the word from Second Timothy four two, but all throughout the pastoral epistles, our responsibility is to uh, to teach openly, to read the word publicly, to exhort those words like you just used with the Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians uh, passage there, to exhort, to rebuke, to challenge all these teaching and preaching elements. So we don't have a, an option. And the substance of that is the scripture, right? We're going to be held, according to James 3, 1, to a stricter judgment. And the one thing that will ensure that we'll be past the test, if you will, the one measurement or metric of assessment, according to 2 Timothy 2, 15, is going to be if we rightly divide the word of truth. And so um, that's that's the substance of it, uh, the word of truth. And it's also the, the assignment we've been given. So scriptural leadership really is about that. We've got the responsibility from the scriptures to do it. And then we have to lead our people to submit to scripture, that scripture is the ultimate authority. And in modeling how we teach the scriptures, what we teach in the scriptures, we're helping them submit and surrender their lives under uh, the authority of the scriptures uh, by how we teach and preach expositionally. Yeah, I give a hearty amen to that and think our listeners are, are going to be encouraged. Just a reminder of the centrality of the Word of God when it comes to the mm. task of preaching. There's a divine mandate there. You have biblical examples there. The sermons that we have recorded in the New Testament are sermons of people preaching from biblical text. And so right. yeah, I, I just give a hearty amen to that chapter. I also think the next chapter is important. You talk about, you know, one of your chapters is on on, uh, scriptural leadership, but then you talk about spiritual leadership and really the role of the Holy Spirit in preaching and pastoral ministry. And there are a few books that are are out there, and there's some notable uh, Mm -hmm. preachers in church history who emphasized the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. But you don't hear, or I at least don't hear a ton of that Mm -hmm. today. And yet I think it's an important reminder. And so would love to hear you reflect just, just for a minute on what, what, what you mean by spiritual leadership. Yeah, it's funny because you can read that and the word spiritual can be in somewhat, you know, made generic. You know, we, we hear spiritual and we, and we don't think Holy Spirit, capital S, spiritual. But that's how we're using it in the book, that the Spirit's leading and his role would be involved from kind of the beginning to the end of the sermon, not just process. In terms of development, the study, his role in our lives as we prepare sermons, working in us the truth of the text, but also enlightening us to understand and discern uh, the meaning of the text, he inspired it. So he's the one who inspired it. He's the one who helps us interpret it. And as he does that work, then he also empowers us and enables us to proclaim it. So he's not just involved in the study, in the preparation, he's involved in the proclamation. And so as we uh, preach it, we're enabled by his 
gifts, his presence there with us, communicating through us, uh, those types of um, aspects of delivery. And we, we talk about his anointing, as you described there, that way. But then also in the application then of the listeners, how they receive uh, the word and how we can then uh, listen and cooperate with the work of the Spirit in the lives of our listeners as they hear, as they respond, and as they apply his intended meaning from the beginning. So what he inspired, what we interpret, what we then communicate, and he enables them to apply the Spirit's role is involved from top to bottom uh, in the in the preaching task. And we just want to highlight kind of how do we incorporate that? How do we cooperate with his presence in, in all those things? And how does that help us understand more of this leadership by way of his role and not just us kind of exerting some sort of human element of leadership beyond what he would empower us and enable us to do. That's good. Yeah. Thank you for, for, for sharing that with us here. And then you talk about strategic leadership. And so, I mean, I want to come back because you talk about strategic leadership, then you talk about situational leadership. And so let, let's start, I know there's a couple chapters apart, but let's start with a strategic leadership and what that, what you mean by that and what that looks like practically in the local church. Yeah. You know, for every pastor, we have the responsibility to kind of sense and follow what is God's call on the life of this church? What is the responsibility of the life of this church in this community, in this context with the people that are involved that they serve, as well as the leadership that's included in that? And so as a, as a pastor, we have the responsibility to, to help provide some of that and to communicate that through our messages. And so when you think about strategic leadership, uh, I'll boil it down to kind of this. A lot of times when we're developing application in our sermons, and this is going to be a very a practitioner-oriented point here. Um, but when we're thinking about application in our sermon, most of the time we think about it in an individual way. So how would this person apply this to their family life or to their you know, work life or to their social life or their personal walk and those types of elements or categories, arenas, if you will, of their life? But as a pastor, we have the responsibility to think corporately. Okay, so what does this mean for us as a church? How should we respond collectively? And what is your individual role as a part of that? And so that really corporate application is a lot of what that um, strategic leadership is focused on. How do we allow this text? Again, it's exposition. So we're committed to allowing the meaning of the text uh, to be the substance of our sermon. Uh, how do we allow them that to determine corporate application for this congregation and this community and context to fulfill what God has called them to do and leveraging the pulpit that way intentionally? And so some of what we talk about in that chapter is some very practical, exegetical, and expositional elements that we can incorporate to, to help accomplish that strategic leadership. Yeah, that's good. And it, it is, in many ways, I know it's not the only thing you cover, but, but in many ways, it's a chapter on how, how do you apply the Bible? And, you know, you start mm. off with the illustration about Haddon Robinson and, you know, his, class, right. you know his, his classic article on heresy and application. And, you know, he, he infamously said there more heresy happens in application than anywhere else in preaching. But there is a historical note there that, you know, in the past, application tended to be more general or generic. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've moved in, into kind of a specialized area where we feel like application has to be super specific, you know. If you're for, you know, if your initials are JMB and, you know, you're 37 years old and you're, you know, you're sitting on the right side of the church, here's how this applies to you. And so yeah. I, I hope there is some, it doesn't mean that our application is so generic that people can't draw the dots between the application and their own life, mm -hmm. but we don't have to be so specific that, that it's, you know, 
it's not beneficial to the rest of the people who are there who are not in that life stage. And sometimes that's a fine line to walk, but I'm hoping that those who pick up this book will find a little bit of freedom in the fact that you don't have to cover every possible application as you're preaching to your people, you know? And so I thought that the chapter was helpful. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's really important, and I think that blend of being uh, general and specific at the same time yeah. is kind of a thread in, thread in the needle a little bit, but it's, it's critical, and as pastors, I think if anybody, if you have preaching experience of any kind, you know what it means to try to apply to the, like you said, a single mom in this situation or a grandparent in that situation, and how do I hit all of those and not feeling like you have to, but being able to use the arenas of life, I think, is, is what Ramesh Richard calls them that's really helpful uh, that everybody can relate to family life, home life, spiritual life, work life, and allowing those things to to be specifically applied by the spirit to go back to the spiritual leadership chapter, right? Mm-hmm. By the yep. spirit in those areas and ways, and then collectively uh, helping them see that as a body and their role in the body. Yeah, I think that's helpful. And if I move into like a more specific type of application of a passage, what I'll often mm-hmm. do is try to give three, four, five examples and say, here's mm-hmm. what it might look like in this situation. Yep. Here's what it might look like in this situation. And so, yeah, I think what you just said was helpful. I, I may have, have, have overstated that, but I'm not implying that you shouldn't make specific application, but you sh- also shouldn't no. feel the pressure to apply it to every single person who's listening. Exactly. No, agreed, 100%. 100%. So, yeah, I think that that chapter was was helpful. And then you talk about servant leadership. And so mm-hmm. we'd, we'd love to hear you define that for those who are listening and then practically what that looks like as a pastor attempts to embody servant leadership. It's, it's so funny, Jerry, because when we talk about servant leadership, most of the time we would like to say a pastor should be willing to do everything he's asking his people to do. And we would mm-hmm. use rightfully so. Again, these are good pastoral principles and examples. You know, that a pastor ought to be willing to do some, some menial tasks that are behind the scenes uh, that aren't noticed or celebrated but contribute nonetheless, and, and that we should be willing to do those things. The challenge is that those things are oftentimes kind of behind the scenes, not publicly seen or appreciated, and they're often menial, not in the sense of meaningless, um, but they, they require just a little bit of, of work that's not necessarily uh, life-changing, life-altering work. Mm-hmm. Well, preaching is exactly the opposite, right? So preaching is, is very public. So we can't describe servant leadership as something that's only behind the scenes, because if we're going to do that from the pulpit, well, preaching is public and it can't be a meaning, menial task because, and maybe there's no more meaningful task than to actually preach and proclaim God's word. So what would servant lo- leadership look like in a very public and significant responsibility like preaching? And I think a lot of it comes down to uh, the demeanor that we carry into the pulpit, that we would present uh, the truth of the text in a way that we're approachable, that we uh, aren't in any way uh, kind of distant or aloof or maybe arrogant, uh, but that we're approachable, uh, that we're accessible, and that people feel like they're having or hearing from someone who loves them and cares for them. Too many times I think we can mistake kind of boldness uh, for brashness. You know, we can kind of make the mistake of trying to be too hard or to preach like with a hammer, uh, when in, in reality, while we should have boldness for God's word and authority. We still have to be pastoral in our tone. We have to remember who we're serving. We're serving the King's people. We're serving at his pleasure. And in doing those in a way that doesn't, you know, cause people to bristle or resist or feel like somehow we're forcing these things, 
uh, upon them. And I, I think the other element of that, I, I, by way of example, maybe it would help, is when you think about how we talk to or talk about lost people in our sermon. So when you think about a servant, a servant leader, we really need to characterize the heart, so not only in our disposition of how we present ourselves, but how we preach the truth of God's word. So if, if we're talking about the lost world around us and we paint them, we're in a culture war, no doubt about it. But if we paint the, the, the members of our community as though they are, you know, the enemy or the opposition, then all of a sudden we condition our people to think that way. And it doesn't really characterize the heart of a servant leader that's going to um, have compassion for the people who are lost and need Christ. Uh, and so we're more uh, bothered by the lost instead of being burdened for the lost. And I think some of those things come through in how we communicate the truth of God's word. And so servant leadership really is about that demeanor in the pulpit, not just how we care ourselves, but how we communicate uh, the truth of God's word with compassion and understanding uh, where our people are nurtured and cared for by the shepherd. And we also help them think about the world around us uh, with a caring and compassionate heart. Yes, yeah, a good word for those who are listening. It's not just what you say that matters. It's also how you say it. And so, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's another another helpful chapter as well. You talk yeah. about situational leadership, and it's similar, I think, in one sense to strategic leadership, but but in another sense, it's distinct. And so talk about situational leadership and maybe give an example of what that would look like in the local church. Yeah, it's really um, funny. There, there's so many times that we arrive, especially as committed expositors, right, where sometimes maybe in the classroom you've gotten this question, I know I have, or different conversations. Hey, what warrants you taking a break from a series? You're yeah. preaching through a book and, you know, somebody wants to know what what would interrupt the series? What would uh, be worth that? Well, this is situational leadership, right? So if you have a community tragedy. Um, so when I was pastoring in Oklahoma, man, you have a tornado hit the community, the church, the community of the church you're pastoring. Uh, people show up at that church on Sunday morning expecting you to tell them how should we understand what happened mm-hmm. and how should we respond to what happened? And if you ignore that or don't give them a word from God's word about um, about that, then you're doing your people a disservice. You're not caring for them, shepherding them, leading them uh, well. That'd be an example of, of situational leadership. What's going on in your community that everybody in your church is affected by and impacted by? And then how do you navigate that? One of the things we talk about in the book, again, trying to balance our faithful commitment, our commitment to faithful exposition, not compromising the text to serve us, uh, but allowing the text to speak for itself and to address the problems of our lives and doing that in a way that uh, whether it's the church in the community or situational leadership within the church, if there's something that's going on in the church that deserves and requires our addressing significant life change in the church or tragedy in the church, somebody, you know, a, a family member, a teenager dies tragically, you know, suicide, something like that that says, man, how do I lead my people through these situations, life altering situations. And then, of course, there's global or national uh, level uh, things, too. We could all imagine or remember maybe where you know I was when 9-11 happened and that mm-hmm. Sunday showing up to address those types of things. And so those are situational leadership. When your church or community or our country is going through something that needs addressing from God's word, how do you do that and still remain faithful to the text, not bending it it's simply to address the situation and yet not ignoring the situation either by trying to be so strict? with a series that you're committed to. I just got asked that question uh, last week in class. I had a student raise his <laughs> hand and ask that question. So it is a recurring yep. question, and I'm, I'm glad you addressed it in the book. And I think the examples you gave are great. I, I interviewed a guy recently who was talking about one of his 
uh, adult volunteers passed away at a retreat with students. And Mm. so he he readjusted his preaching calendar and and preached uh, two weeks on how to to deal with grief and tragedy. Mm. And so I think it's another great example of what it would look like. Okay, this is happening in in the church. Everybody is aware of this. Everybody's grieving together. How do I as a pastor speak to this particular situation? Well, and that's, it doesn't have to undermine our commitment to the text. So a lot of times we, we should allow, most of the time, the text determines the topic. Hmm. In this sense, the topic may help us select the text, but then the text is still going to preach and address the topic in an appropriate way. And that's one of the things that we uh, talk about in that chapter as well. That's right. Well, you talk about uh, sensible leadership as well. So, so all of these are, are alliterated. If the listeners aren't catching yes, that, they all start with S. So like any good preacher, you have your chapters alliterated here. So talk about sensible leadership, what that is and what it looks like. Man, so many pastors today uh, struggle uh, and, and find themselves maybe uh, out of ministry, not because of some moral failure or doctrinal compromise, uh, but by some foolish decision unintentional, right? Like nobody sets out to, to make a, an error that way, uh, but a foolish decision that compromises or undermines your leadership uh, in the pulpit. And so whether that's kind of a self-seeking or self-serving type of, of endeavor where you find yourself not recognizing that you're pursuing and preaching uh, with kind of this uh, personal ambition at, at heart, or maybe it's in addressing certain things, how you address political agendas and those sort of things. And politics, by the way, civil and church, right? How those things, mm. how you speak to those things, how you address those things, and just not making a foolish decision that's going to undermine your ministry. And yet at the same time, allowing again, the text to address certain circumstances and situations that the people need God's guidance, again, the leadership element from God's word to provide, uh, and yet us not kind of fumbling the ball there, stepping on a landmine that, did, that we should have foreseen and could have avoided. Yeah. Preaching and pastoring, it does takes wisdom. Every, everybody mm-hmm. who's listening needs that. You and I need that. We need uh, the wisdom and this type of sensible leadership that, that knows, you know, what things to avoid. And, man, if we do end up, ste- you know, stepping on our own feet, you know, stumbling over mm-hmm. something, putting our foot in our mouth, having the, the wisdom and the humility to acknowledge that and seek, you know, restoration, all, yeah. all that is important for us. Big time. Big time. Well, I want to finish. La- last question here. So, is we think about these things, as those who are listening think about these things, I want to encourage them to pick up uh, your book, again, Expositional Leadership, published by Crossway, and read through it. But the last thing you talk talk about in the book, you, in your conclusion, you talk about fall through, which I absolutely love. I, I played uh, college basketball at a very, very small college, so <laughs> usually joke and say it was so small that it doesn't even count. It was barely a bunny hop up from high school, but uh, that right, doesn't, right. doesn't mean that I don't love basketball still, and so you know, I love the illustration of fall through, whether you're talking about you know a, a baseball swing or a jump shot, mm-hmm. that, that fall through. So if somebody's listening to this, what are a couple suggestions, two or three things you would say, hey, here's some things that you can do to begin to to grow in your expositional leadership? Yeah, first, you know, it's got to start with, and, and um, I think we would all recognize this, but at the same time, we can't assume it either. It has to start with prayerful consideration, evaluation of your own heart, your own ministry, and not just bypassing that. I think too many times our our sermon preparation can become mechanical, especially after we've done it for so many years. We know what the process takes. We know what it requires. And so we can come to a text, work our kind of system, if you will, our process, and, and spit out a sermon. And there, there it comes. 
And I think we just want to be more prayerful uh, in that, spiritually guided. Uh, and then the other element of that is then, too, we, we don't just prepare a sermon in a vacuum. We're preparing a sermon among God's people with the context and the congregation that God's entrusted into our care with those people in mind. What does God have for this people, for this congregation? And how can I leverage uh, the sermon, the pulpit ministry that God's entrusted to me uh, to provide that strategic, uh, sensible, servant uh, leadership uh, that he's called me to, to offer and to, to provide for them? So just being deliberate really does come down to a lot of intentionality of once you're aware of these principles, now you, you how do you put them into practice? And hopefully we've provided a lot of practical insights along the way where it doesn't just translate into the theory or the, the you know principles, but it's one that they can uh, implement into their, their uh, sermon preparation. Amen. Well, Dr. Pace, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks again for having me, uh, Jared. Love the podcast. Love what you guys are doing. And so thankful to partner with you in this way and to be a part of it. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.